This is Beth Golick, one of your co-hosts of Key Ministry, the podcast. I'm joined by one of my co-hosts, Catherine Boyle, and a very special guest who we'll introduce in just a bit. Just a few days ago, on Christmas Eve, Key Ministry celebrated a very special birthday, the 20th anniversary of the founding of Key Ministry. So today, we welcome Dr. Steve Gersovich, president and founder of Key Ministry. Welcome, Dr. G. Well, thanks, guys. Uh, yeah, I'm just you know honored to be able to serve in this fashion, and I am proud to have you guys on our team. You you have been outstanding, and you know a lot of the success that we've been able to achieve in 20 years has been through your you know your leadership and your faithful service. And so, um, we wouldn't have had the opportunity to have the impact that we had without Beth, without your fabulous work and everything that you've contributed over the last six years as well, Catherine. Well, we we appreciate the privilege of serving in this capacity. Hmm. Catherine, would you like to start us off with a question for Dr. G? Absolutely. So, Steve, I think for people particularly who may not know much of the backstory about how Key Ministry came to be, they'd be curious to hear what led you a child and adolescent psychiatrist to come up with this idea for starting the ministry that we now know as key ministry. So I think some folks are familiar with our story and it was 25 years ago now that I'm sitting in an elder board meeting and Libby Peterson, who was one of our early board members. And at the time, the children's ministry director at our church, um, you know, had come to a board meeting and talked about some of the, challenges that the church was experiencing in terms of serving and supporting like longstanding families who had been highly committed and connected to the church who back in the 1990s after the fall of the iron curtain brought these kids you know had adopted these kids from russian and bulgarian orphanages who came back with you know a variety of emotional, behavioral, and developmental challenges all compounded by the effects of trauma. And it was sitting in that board meeting and then going back to our practice at the time and recognizing that that it wasn't just these kids who had had profound autism or kids you know, who had experienced severe deprivation and severe trauma where folks were experiencing challenges attending church but it was you know middle and upper middle class suburban cleveland families who had kids with you know adhd kids who had problems related to anxiety um kids who had mood disorders you know families who had kids on the high end of the autism spectrum where were the the routine kinds of things that people you know would would bring people into a you know child mental health practice were to a very large degree getting in the way of them being able to be part of church. It was, it was the awareness that this, there was this much larger need out there that, um, you know, after, you know, after spending time, you know, out on the lecture circuit and talking about some of the other work that I was doing from a research standpoint, it was the, the barrage of requests for help that our church had received as a result of, my having an opportunity to start speaking into some of these issues that led to the creation of key ministry. So 
you talked a little bit with us about some of the early kind of chance encounters that you had that really became, you know, just very uh, specific points that, that later informed the ministry. So if you would just share a couple of those, um, maybe specifically a, a meeting that you had early on in Nashville. Well, I can think of two. And, and, and it was in some ways like a, a chance encounter that actually led to the incorporation of our ministry that um, we live 37 miles away from the church that we attended, um, Bay Presbyterian there, you know, where Beth, you know, serves on staff, um, you know, as, you know, in her role, managing disability inclusion. And the meeting that actually led to the creation of the ministry was a sit down that I was having at the time with Hugh Auburn, who was our senior pastor. And, you know, having been an elder in the church, you know, we had two young daughters at the time. And that the, the meeting was to talk to him about the fact that um, because they needed to have sort of a Christian peer group, that we were no longer going to be regularly attending the church. Um, and, you know, that, you know, so it was sort of like, it was sort of like a goodbye meeting in terms of like, you know, our family, like having to step away. And, you know, so we were, you know, having the conversation, it was sort of toward the end of the meeting that, you know, that, well, there's this one thing that's kind of like bugging me that like, you know, that, you know, we had this idea for going ahead and sort of doing something for supporting families beyond and outside of our church. You know, and the one thing I don't really feel right about leaving with is that that we never did anything about that. And so it was Hugh's response to that question that where, well, we need to go ahead and get this rolling now. And so as a result of that meeting, he made some phone calls and recruited several of our original board members, including an attorney who helped us get incorporated. As part of his, this was like two years before, as part of his 25th like anniversary in ministry as the, as the senior pastor of the church, uh, folks had contributed a large sum of money to something that he had established in an emerging ministries fund. You know, so that, that that our church had long had sort of a reputation for, you know, supporting entrepreneurial people in the church who had sort of visions or ideas for unique things ministry-wise. And, um, you know, one was a, you know, a free health clinic for people who had been, you know, were like working class on the west side of Cleveland and um, made too much money to qualify for Medicaid but couldn't get health insurance. There was another that was sort of like an innovative inner city kind of model to children's ministry. And so th there had been this money set aside and, and Hugh pledged a significant portion of what had been contributed for his 25th anniversary celebration to help to start the ministry. You know, and, and even more importantly, Hugh's wife was an experienced leader in terms of having started or helped start several parachurch ministries in Cleveland, including one that was started by a guy named Andre Thornton, who, you know, back in the, you know, back in the early 80s was like the only respectable hitter that the Indians had on their team for a period of time. And so, so in addition to, you know, finding board members to help 
start this and um, contributing money that had been set aside for him by the people of the church to help launch new and innovative ministries. Hugh contributed his wife and she became our first executive director. And, you know, so the ball kind of got rolling at that point. And so when I think back to like Jan's contribution, one of the things in the first year or two of the ministry was, you know, we're trying to figure out who else was out there that might be like doing this kind of thing. You know, are there other people with like similar passions and interests? And I remember Jan coming to a board meeting after having extensively researched this. And I think that we found like seven people, organizations, churches, you know, using what people used to search the internet, you know, in 2003, um, who were doing this work. And so when I look back now and think about our impact um, 20 years out, the fact that we went from finding or being able to connect with like seven different people or organizations in 2003, and we have almost 2,500 members of the special needs and disability ministry leaders group that we facilitate on Facebook. Um, I think that that's, you know, evidence of what God has been doing in this whole area. And you mentioned the meeting um, in Nashville. And so this was probably eight months, nine months after we kicked off the ministry. And, you know, again, we're just trying to figure out who else is out there you know, we hadn't done a whole lot at that point in terms of like generating like specific resources that we were giving out to churches. Um, I'm not sure that we even had like a website up and running at that point. Um, and so through a mutual friend um, who had arranged for like a speaking trip I was doing in Nashville, um, I got together with the person leading the children's ministry at her church around you know, speaking into these issues. And so I definitely got the impression that that the leader I was talking to was doing this as a personal favor to my colleague who'd set up the meeting. You know, all of her body language, sort of facial expressions, like suggested, you know, her level of disinterest, shall we say. And Toward the end, like she asked a question, well, you know, in sort of a, you know, sort kind of skeptical, sarcastic kind of tone. Well, how much does this cost? And I realized we had never thought about charging for any of this stuff. <laughs> and I started learning some interesting things about ministry world at that point. And I go, well, well, nothing. I mean, like, why would we charge for this? <laughs> and so, like, at that point, I mean, you know, that there's this expression of surprise on her face. And, and I got my first lesson in what people in children's ministry have to deal with, you know, from folks who are constantly bombarding them with things that they're trying to sell. And so one of the things that became very fundamental to, you know, particularly the first 10 years of our ministry and continues to be a really important value today was that we weren't going to let money get in the way of folks being able to grow this ministry. And so that, you know, to as great a degree as possible, one of the things that, that I clung to was the notion that, you know, that we were going to make available the stuff that we were doing for free. Cause 
you know, last time, like I read my Bible, I mean, like, you know, Jesus didn't charge anybody <laughs> for what he had to offer. Why would, you know, why would we as the church introduce something like money as a barrier for folks to be able to access churches where they could come to know Jesus, hear the gospel preached on a regular basis, be able to enjoy Christian community among other Christ followers, and be able to get into a place where they would be able to use their gifts and talents as individuals and families impacted by disabilities to impact the kingdom. Yeah, I think that that is uh, chance encounters like that, that, that happen early on in what God is calling you to can end up being so uh, fortuitous. They can, you know, they can, they can be so critical really in ways that you would just never imagine uh, until much later down the road. And, 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 and what I hear in what you're talking about in that time period is there, there was this building, I mean, slow going for sure, but this building momentum that was happening, you know, starting with those seven churches and then, you know, these, these chance encounters and these meetings that, that people would take. And then in that, those early few years, Lon Solomon from McLean Bible Church was really starting to do some significant things with disability ministry. And then you had a, a, a meeting with Colleen Swindoll and, and met her dad. And then, Ch you know, Chuck, mm -hmm. her dad um, started speaking out about disabilities because of his grandson. Um, and, and so then social media comes along. And then by the time we get to uh, Key Ministries 10th birthday, um, you know, we've established a, a little bit of a social media presence. You know, we were kind of ahead of the curve. And that kind of led to, by the spring of 2013, these six key strategies that have persisted in, in more or less being our operating strategies. So talk for a few minutes about you know, maybe how you got to those six key strategies and, and what those are um, that we're still using today. So when I think about like one of the formative things that occurred about 10 years in, so this is, this was 2011, where one of the things that we were very intentional about, a couple of things that we had launched like, you know, in, in, in 2010 in that year was that, um, we, you know, we purposely launched several different blogs at that point in time, largely to try to develop influence among pastors and influence in the children's ministry community. And one of the places where I think that we were blessed early on is that we had, um, we had made some connections and, you know, ran into people who are sort of pioneering this in the church. And so that, that we were able to get ahead of the curve and develop maybe a presence, you know, social, social media wise that, that other organizations didn't have in this space. One of the things that drove that is that, you know, again, back in 2010, one of the, one of the strategies we were looking at was trying to get into and to penetrate and build influence through going to different children's ministry conferences. And 
um, among people who are like on our staff at the time, um, they started getting like uh, you know, several of our, a couple of our staff people started getting invited, you know, to speak at some fairly significant things. Um, one of the challenges that we ran into penetrating that world at the time was that because we were giving away everything for free, that rubbed certain people the wrong way, shall we say, who were, you know, where this was something that they were doing as a career and that they were looking at, you know, developing resources and sort of speaking into this whole area of disability ministry at the time, you know, this was like their livelihood, you know, and so, you know, so we ran into some interesting things. And after um, one of our staff members in particular um, had spoken at a very prestigious children's ministry conference. And after th there was a person in that community who suggested that she needed to sort of like leave us, you know, and go off and develop some other things. And when she had said no, um, there was a conference that, that there was a conference that was taking place where she was the featured speaker. And when I went back to look at the conference just to get some information to promote it, they had taken her off of the program entirely without bothering to tell her. You know, so that you know she had been promoted as like the big person at this event. You know, and all of a sudden, like the event website had been stripped of any of that. Um, so I ended up deciding to like drive down and, and I think this conference was taking place in Kentucky and I decided to go down and have some pointed conversations, shall we say, with people in the children's ministry community. But, but, but one of the things that that experience led to, um, that again, I think has been, you know, formative for sort of the second decade of our ministry and one of the most impactful things going forward was that. That, that we decided that we were going to have to start our own conference if we were going to get the word out. And one of the, the first rule of our conference was that we were going to open up the opportunity to speak with from to anybody in the Christian community who had content of value and ideas of value to share with the larger church you know in that you know we started sort of figuring out that a lot of what was going on ministry and sort of the underside that you know i'm not too excited about is you know sort of friends taking care of one another's friends and it being like very it was a very closed club and we were not going to be that way <laughs> and so you know we you know we came across there's a guy jeremy collins who was a children's pastor in lexington kentucky at the time who was exploring technology and he helped us do our first inclusion fusion conference purely online. And there was so much interest. There were 1,100 people who registered for the first one. And the servers crashed in the first half hour of, of, of the conference going online. You know, and so, you know, at that point, I think that we knew that we were definitely onto something. But the people that we met and the folks that we came to discover by by opening up the process of applying to this conference you know and 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 giving you know giving people who were doing great work a platform for being able to share that with the church i think you know 
was was incredibly impactful and you know has very much sort of you know resulted or 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 influenced the direction of our ministry i guess over the past 10 years um you know catherine you had mentioned like you know some of you know some of the things that have kind of shaped us and when i think about the stuff like you know that you know, when I think about sort of like the guiding or sort of the operating principles of our ministry, you know, the, the first one, you know, is the notion that we're going to give away as much of this as we could for free that resulted from the, you know, the chance encounter in Nashville. Um, one of the things I think we've been very intentional about, and, you know, as, you know, as someone sort of coming in, you know, looking at, you know, looking at the ministry world, you know, as a physician and outsider, is that the that the whole Christian cult of personality thing from the very beginning sort of rubbed me the wrong way? And so that we've always been intentional about we do this as a team. It's not about like 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 you know you know the one person model. You know the only person I know, you know who's worthy of that is Jesus. You know, and so you know, but but you know when when he started the church. It was based upon a team originally of 12 apostles, um, you know, so that it's never been about sort of like any one personality on our team. But one of the things and where I think you guys have greatly contributed is that, you know, that the key ministry has always been a collective as opposed to something that was built around one person. Um, that That part of what we've been, you know, part of one of the things we conceptualized, you know, at one of the board meetings in the first 10 years, and, you know, Julie Jones, who was one of our early board members, was was very helpful in this, you know, is that we perceived ourselves that we provide a service, but we're also leading a movement, you know, and so that part of what we've been trying to do is that we're, you know, we're always looking at, you know, expanding the circle. How can we draw more people you know, with, with great ideas into the world of disability ministry. Um, to a significant degree, this is something that we do now with our annual conference, and you look at disability in the church, that um, the ability, you know, and, and, and this started with, you know, it, the idea of doing this in person started with an idea that Beth had in 2015 you know, to put together a little regional conference for folks in Northeast Ohio around disability ministry. Um, we did it in combination with a respite night, which I believe Beth will never try to do again the night before putting on a conference. You know, and so so her little one-day conference that she had expected to attract 50 people attracted 300. You know, and so, you know, it became very evident that 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 there was a need for this and there was a hunger for in-person training you know and so that's where you know inclusion fusion live came from and you know which is now you know disability in the church going forward for 2023 you know and you know an example of just the impact of that is you know and our ability to discover people you know and then our ability to be able to help them develop other relationships within disability ministry world and to get their message out. Um, I think Dr. Lamar Hardwick's a classic example of this, that um, it was probably five years ago when we were doing our conference that 
again, we have this open application process, you know, and, you know, Lamar, who is a, an African-American pastor of a mixed race church in Atlanta, um, who was diagnosed with autism at the age of 35, I believe, um, you know, presented to our conference and, you know, it was like one of these like wow moments. And, you know, Lamar has now gone on, you know, he's written this book, Disability in the Church, which I think is going to be the most influential work in our field, you know, over the next 10 years in terms of how people, you know, impact doing disability ministry, you know, and the fact that we were able to meet him and that, I mean, Lamar, God was going to use Lamar regardless of anything that we did, but perhaps we were a catalyst in terms of maybe helping, you know, through making his work more visible and giving him opportunities to meet with a lot of different ministry leaders at once. I think we can take credit for maybe helping it happen a little quicker than, than, than maybe that would have happened otherwise. But, but God was, God's using Lamar in big ways and God, Lamar is going to be a star in this field, but, you know, but it's, you know, the ability to be able to bring people together and, you know, especially in the aftermath of COVID to have these face-to-face relationships that's really impactful. And so the thing that I think I have gotten the most satisfaction out of in our first 20 years is seeing the way that speakers react and folks react when they come to our conference when they've never had an opportunity to talk about some of these things outside like their immediate local audience, you know, and giving them the opportunity for their voice to be heard, you know, in front of the larger church is, is actually sort of the most gratifying part of the whole ministry from my perspective. Yeah. And as somebody who has benefited from that, I can tell you that, uh, that I appreciate that tremendously. Um, and, and my last question for you, Steve, before we wrap up is going to be about mental health ministry, but, but that's how I got familiar with key ministry in the first place, because key ministry was one of the very few organizations who were really talking about the need for mental health ministry. Like I, I have in one of my files, uh, a printout of one of your blog posts from, I think it was sometime in 2014. And I, I had come across this in either late 2014 or early 2015. And, you know, I was really interested in, in what the organization was doing. So, you know, 2015 till now, you know, we've had a lot of movement in mental health ministry and, and Steve, your book. And, and I think, you know, our organization has really been instrumental in a lot of ways uh, with mental health ministry as a movement. So talk, if you will, just a little bit about the last seven years or so um, with mental health ministry and what that's meant for you and and where you kind of see that going. So I think about the disability ministry movement at this point, having gone through two stages and entering a third. So that, you know, the first stage, you know, and this was championed by Johnny Erickson Tata was the notion of looking at barriers to inclusion of people with physical disabilities. Um, you know, you think about like, you know, the creation of Americans with Disabilities Act in, in 1990, um, you know, churches like, you know, the, 
that there were a lot of places Johnny being in a wheelchair can't get because like, you know, churches didn't have ramps, churches didn't have elevators, you know, and so that, so that the initial, you know, the initial focus of this was people with physical disabilities. And so to the second phase, you know, was, you know, the stuff, you know, 2002 to maybe 2008 to 2010, when there was this radically increased awareness of the, the presence and the impact of autism in the larger society, you know, and, and the development, you know, and the rapid expansion of like what people refer to now as special needs ministry was the second phase. But I have a friend um, who is an interesting story where um, he was a pastor in Western Michigan who quit his job to become a drug rep. And we met because he was working for a company that was funding some research that I was doing at the time. He had to quit his job as a, as a pastor because he and his wife had adopted several kids who had some significant disabilities, you know, and his work as a pastor didn't pay him enough to be able to support like the services that they needed. And when, when we had talked about this, that, that one of the things that, you know, he told me is that, that, you know, he thought sort of, you know, at my core and the core of our ministry is that we're evangelists. And from a statistical standpoint, especially if you take a look at just the explosion in the prevalence of mental illness, you know, over the last 10 year period of time, greatly accelerated by COVID. Um, what got me into this was that, that I greatly appreciate and have been richly blessed to be, to have been part of a church where, you know, my kids got exposed to like great teaching. You know, I was, you know, received incredible support in terms of being able to use my gifts and talents to be able to serve. And I want the same thing for the kinds of families that I was seeing coming through our practice. And, and, and when you think about kids and families and that 75% of all kids with disabilities have a primary mental health disability, um, you know, the old, you know, Willie Sutton line, like, well, why do you rob banks? Well, because that's where the money is. And I guess the ongoing passion for this whole issue around mental health is that's where the people are right now who aren't able to be part of church because of a disabling condition. And so, you know, in, you know, in the time, Catherine, you know, that you've been working with us, I think that part of what has, you know, part of what has held this up is that the way we traditionally think about mental health ministry all involves supporting people who are already part of the church, you know, so that, you know, that there are churches, you know, that they have, you know, different sorts of, you know, counseling ministries, you know, support ministry, you know, for folks who are already Christians and are struggling. But, but but the vast preponderance of folks impacted by mental health concerns don't have a church. And so where I think, you know, we're, you know, we will continue to do the things that we do for the foreseeable future in terms of helping to grow the overall disability ministry movement. But I think that the unique thing that we have to contribute to it is 
to help churches be able to kind of to, to, to be able to recognize, you know, this incredible need in their local communities for, you know, for churches that are able to, you know, connect with and then welcome and then ultimately disciple, you know, individuals and families who are impacted by mental illness. But I think that if we can come alongside people who are doing mental health ministry now and help incorporate this whole evangelism and inclusion piece, that is where I see God most impactfully using us in the years ahead. You know, and and the, the whole mental health in the church book and all the resources that we've created around that came from the recognition that one of the reasons why I think so many churches did special needs ministry was that there were there were replicable models available to them, you know, in terms you know, how to do like buddy ministry, you know, that, you know, our compatriots in terms of sharing a 20 year anniversary is like Marie Cook and Nathaniel's help. So you have hundreds of churches that have learned how to do respite ministry and respite events, you know, so that there were, there were models out there to show churches how to step into and to do special needs ministry. Well, there was no model out there for churches looking at how to do mental health outreach and inclusion well. And I hope that what we have created is a foundation that other people will build upon in terms of being able to welcome and fully include and you know show Christ's love to that large segment of our population that's struggling with mental illness. You know, and you know, ultimately bring those people into the church with all of the gifts and talents that that the Holy Spirit has given them to be able to, you know, you know, to be able to show Christ's love to the world and to be able to, you know, to help the church go beyond where we are now in terms of, you know, our understanding of mental illness and our care for the families who are impacted. Wow. So that's a lot that's happened in the last 20 years. So December 21st, 2002. Um, I mean, even just. December 24th, it was to... Christmas Eve. Yes. Between between the Christmas Eve services at Bay Press that the various board members got together and signed the original documentation that created the ministry. That's amazing. And for our younger listeners, um, the internet did exist. But things were so much different back then. And social media just, I mean, wasn't social even a media thing. didn't exist. Right, right. So online conferences, was that was not a thing. Mm. Um, so it's just been amazing um, to hear from you today, Steve, about the last 20 years. Um, we're, as we enter 2023, we have really exciting things up ahead we're working on um, our conference, Disability in the Church, that'll be taking place April 28th and 29th. And we're just full speed ahead with planning for the ministry for the next year and more. Um, so really quickly, and I, and I think you, you, you definitely touch on this, but could you tell us as you look ahead um, to this next year and look back at the 20 years, what do you consider a win for this ministry? I think that a win for our ministry is any time that a family of children with disabilities 
has a meaningful connection with a local church as a result of any training or education or consultation that we have shared or our like-minded partners in the disability ministry movement has shared, that that's the win. That um, that it, it can be something as simple as you know, parents being able to go to church and listen to a sermon, you know, and 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 hear some great teaching. Even if their child with a profound disability doesn't learn anything out of the encounter, their ability to be there because there's someone there to care for and support their kid. That's a win. Whenever parents get an opportunity to have a night out you know, and to enjoy dinner together and to have a conversation together because their church offers them the ability, you know, by, you know, by being willing to care for their kids for an evening or to care for their kids for a weekend, you know, enables them the ability to have some space to work on their relationship when, you know, otherwise the the challenges of like raising a child, especially kids with more severe, you know, mental health or developmental disabilities becomes overwhelming. That's a win. Um, whenever, um, you know, whenever we have an opportunity to, um, you know, to identify someone who has gifts and talents, you know, and a passion for being able to, you know, honor God and to serve him and to build the kingdom through working with, you know, and, and caring for people impacted by disability. Whenever we can help them to get their message out or give them opportunities to use their gifts or introduce them to other people uh, where there are synergies created and, you know, something greater through the power of the Holy Spirit comes together, you know, you know, for building you know, for building the kingdom and helping people to experience a little bit of heaven here, that's a win. You know, and so, um, you know, as a physician, as a doctor, you know, one of the things that I get bogged down in sometime, you know, is that, you know, when you go to medical school, you know, you go to pathology class, you don't go to health class. And so our focus tends to be on problems. And, you know, when, you know, you're involved, you know, in a leadership role with an organization like this, I tend to look at problems and how to fix them. But, you know, I think about, you know, 2,500 disability ministry leaders getting together to share ideas in an online forum where there were seven of them 2,500, you know, 20 years ago. There've been an awful lot of wins too. And it's kind of like, you know, to share one of my sports analogies that people, you know, have a hard time figuring out, especially, you know, certain, you know, you know, certain people in ministry who aren't into sports. Um, our football coach at Ohio state has borne a lot of criticism because like you know, for the last two years, we haven't beaten the team up North, you know, but the guys won 90% of his games, you know? And so I think that, that looking ahead, you know, with this being our 20th birthday this month, that, that recognizing that, you know, thanks to the power of the Holy Spirit and the privilege of serving in this way, uh, we've won a whole lot of games, you know, and 
the the other folks serving with us, you know, have some incredible wins as well, you know, and it's an honor and a privilege that God gives us the opportunity to to do the stuff that we do, you know, with the, you know, with the prayer, the encouragement, and the financial support of the folks, you know, who have been there for our ministry, you know, all along, you know, many of whom from the very beginning. So, you know. Thinking about the wins on days that things aren't going so great um, is an incredible blessing. Yeah, I'll say amen to that Hmm. for sure. So, well, thank you, Steve, for your time today, but really for your vision, for your perseverance, um, and for the gift Key Ministry is to so many people. So on behalf of the Key Ministry team, I want to thank our listeners today. Um, please share this episode with a friend or a colleague and all of the different references that have been made will be in the show notes that you can find at keyministry.org slash podcast. <laughs>